This is Wide Margins, episode 51, Dangerous Playground Release Party. And I've got a very special guest with me today, Andrew Kingsley. And uh, many of you are familiar with Andrew. Andrew, I wanted to do to get together with you before 50 episodes went by, but it just didn't work okay. out that way. I can tell that I'm very important to you. Yeah, well, you are. You just live in a different city, and I don't That's do true. this long distance. That's true. Uh, we don't do interviews or conversations unless we're face-to-face. One of these days That's, I'll talk you into Skyping me in. For no, no. Well, I mean, we are going to have lunch later, right? So. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was part of the deal, right? Yeah, that that's what I thought. So, okay, good. Uh, good that's good. What, one of the reasons I have that rule in place. But uh, I came on down to Montgomery. I'm in the University Church of Christ studios here at the University <laughs> yeah. Church of Christ, where Andrew is the what's the official title? Uh, college minister or campus minister? Campus minister, yeah, but that's yeah. not really fair to you because you do so many things here. You wear a lot of hats. Here at the University Church, uh, y'all are right off the campus of Faulkner University, and yep. so you have a large college group. You're about to go into the easier part of the year for you, right? You're kind of opposite youth ministers because youth ministers they go into their most difficult season in the summer, most yeah. grueling season, and your kids kind of disappear for a couple months. Yeah, I was actually talking about that with our youth minister this past week. He was yeah. saying, "Man, I'm I'm having to I'm going to be gone for, you know, 6 weeks out of the next 10 and he's like, "You kind of you're in the stage I'm going to be in in September." So right. it's Yeah, it's nice. We got a we got a small crowd of locals and we do a few things, but college kids are notoriously bad for trying to plan things. <laughs> You'll plan a weekend trip, they'll like, "Oh yeah, we'll go, we'll go." And then 2 days before, "Sorry, we can't go." Something came up. Yeah. And the something that came up is we all just wanted to go to so-and-so's house and watch a movie instead. Right. So. I was going to say probably had something to do with the movie. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I mean, I know you do. And, and you're working on your uh, doctorate and you do a lot of preaching here at university and got a couple kids and got <laughs> you got plenty to do, I'm sure. And you got Not usually guest bored. spots on podcasts. Yeah, which this is the is most, the important, most important, important thing I'm doing today, for yeah. sure. Serious business. We need to do several of these this summer before things heat up for you yeah. in the fall. Because to uh, it wasn't too bad driving down here today. Yeah. I got here pretty quick. And so just it just takes making a plan yeah. for it to happen. Gives so, us an excuse to eat lunch, if nothing else. Right, right. And to and to do some shameless promotion, which is what right. I'm, what we're here <laughs> for today. About. This is the release party. Woohoo! Yeah, it's a deceptive title on this podcast because I've got a bottled water. <laughs> and I don't know what you've got in that, but it's just water. We're drinking water in a church classroom, conference room. I think is what this room is. A conference room with wallpaper not straight much of out of the party. 1980s. <laughs> Still covered in wallpaper. I, I was going to mention the wallpaper. Uh, so it's not much of a party, but uh, I did want a special way to kind of officially release my book. Uh, the title is Dangerous Playground, The Christian and Social Media. And uh, the book's been out for a while, and at the end of the podcast, I'll... Remind me to do this, Andrew. I need to tell people how they can get a copy. I'll also post okay. that along with the 
with the uh, podcast when I put it up on the World Wide Web. And, uh, but uh, it's officially out now. I've been working on this for about a year or so, teaching it a couple times at church and giving a few individual lectures. I've even done a couple of standalone episodes on the podcast about the book, but I haven't talked about it a whole lot because I've been wanting to do something like this. Uh, so I couldn't think of anybody better than you. Well, thanks, Come on. Man. Of course, I I kind of pressured you to read the book. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was going to... So, uh, I've had... Well, this one and your Christian faith book I've had stacked up. I've got your faith one, I guess. Was that January or November of last year? Uh, yeah, it came out last this, fall. Okay, so it was faith earlier book last did, year. yeah. So I got to read that, um, well, once this semester was over and most of the college students left, we're doing your faith book for our Wednesday, Sunday morning class right now. And Great. it's going really Great. well. We've had, I, I told you this earlier, but I'll give you another shameless plug here. Yeah, please podcast, do. But Bring it on. It has been, I think, just the content in there of getting people to think about where their faith is planted and why and what that faith does for them day to day. We've had the best conversations of any Sunday morning class I think I've ever been in, like, period. Oh, that's great to hear. Because Sunday morning is, you know, it's hit or miss because you got, and we have adults in there. We've got, like, the, it's, um, what's the title for the group? It might be Young Professionals or whatever that group that nobody knows what to call them is, like, yeah. out of college, but maybe not necessarily, like, have teenagers at home yet. Yeah, I think if it weren't for middle-aged people, it would be called the young adult group. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> they want to be the young adults. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Don't call me just adult, adult. Uh, so we've got that crowd in there, and we got college kids. So it's hit or miss. You know, they're tired because they're little kids, kept them up late and woke up super early, and the college yeah. kids are just— So I didn't realize they were in there, too. Yeah. So yeah, it's so a mixture of those two groups. Right. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really good, though. We're really enjoying that book. So— I was excited to read this book as well, um, so now I'm caught up on your books. Yeah, I I'm gotta gonna have go to back write and, some more. Yeah, that's right. I was gonna say uh, I need more. Working on that, but uh, so I, I'm curious what you think about it, and I wanted to introduce it at the same time. So this will kind of give people an idea of what this book is about, and I'll start with this: um, the most frequently asked question that I've gotten comes from people who teach classes at church. I think, you know, if I have an audience, that really is... I didn't write it just for that, but I think the biggest audience that I have for this book are adult Bible class teachers. Yeah. And they ask, how does this work in a general audience with people who use social media? And then a few people who have no idea what it is or really could care, couldn't care less about social media and my answer to that question is there's enough material in here for both groups because the, really the problem isn't the technology it's how we use the technology and the yep. source material is the bible and it was written 2000 years before social media came out so it'll work for those folks who don't care anything about social media and there are a lot of chapters, every chapter really gets down to issues that everybody deals with, like 
you know, solitude and focus and making boundaries and yep. friendships and how to how to deal with victimization and bullies and yep. you know all those matters. Uh, staying spiritually healthy and mentally healthy and physically healthy. Uh, and it's like the social media is the framework. It's one of the confrontations we face when trying to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, I think but you can was, fill in the blank. It can be, you know, other distractions in life. Yeah. I think something that you touched on here, it was one of the things I appreciated most about the book and that, and the, what you were just saying, I think you spell that out very well in this first chapter. Uh, especially towards the end, you say technology is not the problem. The problem is how we use it to relate to each other. So, I'm with you, and I love, well, I'll do this quote too. I love this one. We face a social problem. The technology is just the delivery system. So yeah, I think there's, like you mentioned, all the other issues that that are here, and you've got a really great quote at the end of the book too. It's basically the same thing, but I guess I'll save that as we move forward. Um, but the idea being that, we need some type of solution that doesn't just fix our social media. It fixes our hearts on a bunch of these issues, and that's relevant mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So uh, teach these books, folks. <laughs> Any class. Uh, they work. They, it, they work. It works. And one thing that it will really help you, people People are just intrigued by the subject right now. So it might get, you know, my hope was, and I saw this happen at our congregation, is it it's it's an unusual subject for Bible classes in church. So people perk up and, you know, they're, Oh, this is something different, you know, Mm -hmm. and it'll get people out of their homes into church Bible studies where they should be all the time. Um, and, and the folks that you're worried it might not connect with, they come all the time. They're going to be there, but this might draw some of the younger folks out that, aren't in the habit of coming perhaps and yeah um anyway that i wanted to to address that question and um you know talk about some other things in the book yeah as well um well i'm glad you bring that up too because it's great for folks that are i think it's especially good for well obviously for you've got the group of kids now who are growing up in a world that they have no clue what life is like without it. And I know you mentioned Gen Zers in the book. Yeah. So you've got that crowd and they're, you know, I think it's good before they even get there. And I know you guys are careful with your kids. And so I think y'all's kids are going to be more well-equipped to handle the responsibility that comes with, or I guess some of the dangers that come with social media that you lay out here. So I think it's good for younger, like the younger crowd too, Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, when you guys get social media accounts, it, you can really get, you know, if you're putting all your stock in life and how many likes you're going to get and how how good you look in your pictures compared to all your friends or well, these friends at school are more attractive than I am or they got more followers and likes or whatever. That's just... Yeah, you can't, you can't avoid this yeah, in, in church. Right. Uh, it, is, it is such a problem. Um, I'm going to ask you this. So I don't yep. think we've talked about this, but do you think the book is too negative? One of the comments I had from somebody whenever I was teaching it is, you're 
you're dealing with all the negative aspects, but don't forget there are a lot of positive aspects to social media as well. And my response to that was, true. I mean, the title is Dangerous Playground. <laughs> so obviously, I'm, it's a warning. But I think all the positives are obvious to people. That's why there's over a, what, a billion, two billion people. What, what's the stat? On Facebook alone, and billions of people are using social media. You yeah. don't have to sell the positives for social media. I think it sells itself. People know. They gravitate towards it because it is helpful in staying connected. And and I, I, bring out, I try to bring out some of the positives on it, but I think yeah. the thing that a lot of people aren't aware of are the negatives. And yeah. so... You know, I, I guess it is more negative than positive, but I just don't feel like people need a book on the positives of social media. And I think you give some of that stuff in here, especially when you do that chapter on boundaries. And I think in chapter 13, I don't know, chapter 4 and chapter 13 to me seem to be on the positive side of things. Let, us, let, me, let me flip over here. Yeah, yeah, when you talk about making a pact, I mean, you seem to have a, a very clear thought throughout to me of here's, I mean, because it culminates in that pact at the end. It's like draw this line to say this is healthy social media and this is unhealthy social media. Yeah. So. Well, you know, in that chapter, I say, do we get rid of our phones? No, our phones are not the problem. The issue that's, the issues that surface from social media are rooted deeply in the soil of our hearts. Yep. It's not your phone. You don't throw your hands up and abandon all hope of conquering problems, and you don't throw your phone away either. Yeah. You get your heart straightened out, and then you can use your phone safely. So I'm not talking yeah. about abandoning <coughs> social media or technology. I wish you like were, that. though, because then I could get rid of my social media accounts and not have to worry about <laughs> you it You can if you want to. <laughs> I One would, of the books if I didn't that work I read, in ministry, I'd be, I'd be done with them. I haven't posted anything on them in forever. I use them. Oh, and you mentioned this, too. Uh, I'm right here. I think I'm still in the first chapter. I'm on page 14. Yeah. Uh, you've got these notes about how much churches use Facebook. Um, oh, yeah. I found that interesting. And, I mean, I think it's a great tool for churches. I mean, I know Asheville Road's got a vibrant Facebook page. You guys have those Sunday night wrap-ups every week, and mm -hmm. I think they encourage involvement. Uh, people can't go, they feel more involved. Or if people are like me and wrestling their kids through the announcements and have no clue what was said, it's a good way to catch back up. Hey, um, people wouldn't know about this book if it weren't for yeah. social media, really. Yeah, I, I haven't talked about it much outside of social media. People wouldn't know about the podcast if it wasn't for social media. Yeah, I was going to read some of these stats on, on faith and how churches use uh, social media. Uh, more than... 70% of nonprofit communicators consider social media one of their most important communication channels. Almost 85% of churches use Facebook. 54% of millennials watch online videos about faith or spirituality. 62% of churches use social networking to connect with individuals outside their congregation. 73% um, use social media to interact with their congregation. 65% uh, of Americans prefer an in-person preacher to a video sermon. Now, a lot of people yeah. would be like, oh, well, that's good. You know, that's most people. But I'm reading that thinking 
35 percent yeah would rather prefer stay home. a video sermon to an in-person preacher yeah. which blows my mind and I think I think that has had a negative impact on attendance at churches hmm. and I don't think we can go back to not putting a live stream up on Facebook or your website or whatever. I don't think you can do that. I mean, you can, of course. You can do whatever you want. But I I just think it's a part of the way we do things now, just like microphones and PowerPoint. However, it has a negative effect on attendance. I can tell you because I've heard our own members say, I'm just going to – I'm tired. I'm just going to go home and watch on Facebook tonight. You know, they don't feel that they're – it's almost like a, a trading one one of the same things for another same thing. Yeah, it's a terrible way to put it, but yeah, they aren't equivalents. Mm-hmm. Watching on your phone is not the same experience as attending worship. Yeah, I think everybody gets that with sporting events, right? Yeah, we all they, or or music. Just, you know, a concert is yeah. totally different from listening to. Uh, music on your in your car stereo. I don't want to or date something. your podcast too much here, but yeah. I know last night was uh, game one of the NBA Finals, which I know you're a huge NBA fan, so I'm sure you watched every play. Yeah, I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> well, it was in Toronto, just the first time ever Toronto's, and I'm going way too far down the rabbit hole here. You can cut this out at the end, but no, that's all right. Um, it's the first time Toronto's ever been in it. Like the entire nation of Canada is losing their <laughs> minds. I'm pretty sure the whole nation was there. The game didn't start last night till eight uh, Central Time, uh-huh. so I don't know what time it was in Toronto, but they were lined up out there at six thirty yesterday morning to get in. And the, after wow. the game uh, on Sports Center, the guy who wasn't there was talking to the anchor who was there, and he was like, "Even from where I was sitting, you could feel some of that energy. How was it in the building?" And he was like, "You can't, you can't describe it. You just had to be here." To know yeah. what it's like. So when you said it's that, a great that example immediately yeah. made me think. You know that you miss out on. Now we don't want to get too far down into, but you got that quote in there from Tony Rinky. Rinky or, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I'm forgetting what chapter be, it's in, but I think it's somewhere in one of those beginnings. Hang on, I think I got it written down. Yeah, this is great podcast material. People listening to us leafing through pages. Oh yeah, I'm sure they love it. Um, but I know you've got a really good quote in here. Well, yeah, it's just... It's a, on page 14. I did find Yeah, it. I thought it was early. Yeah, it's right after that section I just read yeah. um, on the stats about faith and how social media is changing the way we interact with one another spiritually. Um, but that Rinky quote... Um, we must withdraw from our online worlds to gather as a body in local churches. We gather to be seen, to feel awkward. I like that part because I think one reason people avoid church is because of the awkwardness of human relationships. And the more long-term human relationships go, the more awkwardness there is because you start getting a history with people in which... They have inflicted wounds on you and vice versa. Yeah. And then you have to forgive, which is an awkward thing, and you have to receive forgiveness, which is an awkward thing, and move forward, which can be clumsy. Uh, But when it's online, you can just have this false relationship 
and cut yeah. it off without any consequences. Anyway, the rest of the quote is, uh, and perhaps to feel a little unheard and underappreciated, all on purpose, in obedience to the biblical command not to forsake meeting together, we each come as one small piece, one individual member, one body part, in order to find purpose, life, and value in union with the rest of the living body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you've got so much stuff in this book on, and for, I don't know if folks are thinking about using it for a class or whether or not they want to read a book on social media. A lot of this book seems to be like one of the underlying things seems to me to be calling out like Christian communities to do a better job in some different areas, especially like I, I noticed just a few things. Um, I'm on page 68. Let me see what chapter I'm in. I'm in the chapter on selfies. Um, I probably could have guessed that from the quote here. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting. You talk about how some of these problems have crept into the church, and a lot of this seems to be a call to churches to respond to some of these problems and also to just itself be the solution. So not make a program, not do something new, just be Christians for the mm-hmm. selfie stuff with selfishness. Um You've got um, basically discontentment or the discontentment that developed online creeps into our uh, churches. Instead of walking into a church and asking, what can I do for God? We enter asking, what can these people do for me? Um, I think social media and just really the way things have gone together, all together, have pushed all of us this way. Um, And you've got what would happen if everyone thought this way? Yeah, churches be filled with problems and no solutions. Right, and I think that's uh, the the part I was trying to get to here. A church filled with self-absorbed, high-maintenance Christians cannot sustain itself. Somebody has to be thinking about others. Yeah, and I put three stars by that and underlined it because it's mm-hmm. such a great, well, such a great. Well, it's just thought. something that we're going to have to think about, or we're going to disappear. Yeah. Um, People are getting more and more self-absorbed, and that's one thing that social media is really doing. It's amping up the self-obsession. Yeah. Uh, and it, this is documented. You know, I I did a lot of research for this book, and so it's not just me giving anecdotal evidence or my opinion about things. The evidence is out there that social media is making us more selfish and the more selfish we become, the less, the the closer to extinction all groups and organizations get. The more individualistic society becomes, the less chance a group has, including the church. That's true. Uh, that reminds me of something else I wanted to talk to you about, and that um, the chapter on bullies, cyberbullying, which is just bullying. You know, it's just easier to bully on social media because there's a little anonymity there and access that you don't have in real life. Mm -hmm. But it's still the guy standing at the street corner beating you up to take your lunch money. That's what it is. And the way you handle cyber bullies is the same way that you handle the guy that's wanting to take your lunch money. Now, you can't control whether or not somebody's going to bully you. So how do you face, how do you successfully defeat a bully? 
it takes a victim to have a bully. So if you're not a victim, then there there can't be a bully. A bully can't exist. Yeah. The problem with that is, and this is this is not a popular idea, and you may disagree with it. I don't think you will, yeah. but you may disagree with me on this, but I really don't think we're getting anywhere by allowing or encouraging victims. Yeah. Allowing ourselves, I should say, allowing ourselves to become victims or encouraging others to be victims. And Christ is the best example of this because he was he was treated unjustly. He suffered injustice. He couldn't change that. But he changed the way he responded to the injustice. Yeah. And that was by just facing it, accepting it, um, not getting defensive. I mean, one of the most frustrating things to the Sanhedrin was that he wouldn't defend himself, and Pontius Pilate, too. Yeah. And, you know, Pilate says, don't you know I have the authority to release you or to to turn you over to crucifixion? And Jesus said, nah, you're not the one in charge. And he didn't whine or snivel about it. It was going to happen to him either way. He could face it as a coward or face it bravely, and he chose to face it bravely, which is the example for all people under suffering from bullies online or elsewhere. And, uh, you know, once a bully realizes you're not going to be a victim, it'll eventually vanish, and you'll rise out of that with more respect and dignity than you would have had otherwise. Um, yeah, I'm glad you stressed that in our conversation because reading through the chapter, I was thinking so much on the, like, uh, from the bully side of things about, I guess I was just in my head reading like, yeah, all you, all you uh, basically internet trolls out there need to chill out. And I wasn't thinking as much on those lines. but So I'm really glad you brought that up in our conversation because it kind of changes the way uh, – that I think about this chapter. Um, and I think that will go a long way. I mean, how do we teach our kids, you know, to handle bullies and the bullies? I know you've got that in there, a quote in this chapter about bullies don't shove you in the locker anymore. Yeah. They are basically, yeah, today's age, bully don't bullies don't push you into lockers. They don't tell their victims to meet them behind the school's dumpster after class. They cower behind usernames and fake profiles from miles away, constantly berating and abusing good, innocent people. Mm-hmm. So, and I know you got that from, that's a quote from somewhere. I see the footnote here. But it's, uh, I mean, this was a chapter I thought would be especially valuable for, well, adults that get immediately triggered when any time anybody says anything negative about them, they feel like they've got to immediately... Well, you said this about me. All right, you don't know what you started. It's coming back. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think what you're talking about suffering injustice, and I think of uh, is it First Corinthians six, where he said where he's talking about the lawsuits, and he tells yeah, them, why not rather be defrauded? Yeah, why yeah. not rather suffer wrong? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been such a, I think that's such a profound idea. And with the internet, because I mean, it doesn't matter to begin with. But what I was flipping through to find, this is on uh, page 70. I think this is still the selfie chapter. Yeah, I flipped all the way through the book, and it was on the next page from the page I was on. When you mentioned the bully chapter, the first thing I thought of 
I think this is one of the best quotes in the book. When you are proud, you are either a bully or a baby. And yeah. I loved that, and I put it in the margin, or both. <laughs> yeah, you can be so, both at the same time, for yeah. sure. So I I love uh, the way that you've connected here the other side of bullying, uh, with whether if we're the Internet troll, you know, trying to pick apart everybody or put everybody else down just so we can look better. You know, and I think that helps uh, us to in, endure this kind of stuff when we realize, okay, this person, they might have written some kind of scathing review of my book or something awful about the class or sermon I'm doing or whatever. But it's probably, they obviously don't genuinely have concern for me or our church of making it a better place. They mm-hmm. only have concern for publicly humiliating me at their own, you know, uh, to their own gain. So, and, and that's not going to go away. Yeah. The thing is, you cannot control it. And I think about these people, the public personalities, I don't know how they do it. I don't. I really don't know how um, a person can be in a public office in a government position, make controversial idea uh, changes, or um, you know, even a, somebody in the entertainment industry who made a movie or recorded an album or something. I don't. I don't know how they have social media accounts because the people that like you and enjoy it say far less than the people that hate you. Right. Yeah. And people that like you will push the like button. People that hate you will write a two sentence expose laced with two sentence curse or words two page. And, yeah. It's just, just multiple. awful. It's just a cesspool. Yeah. YouTube comments, Twitter I think's probably YouTube's probably the worst. Twitter is bad. And then maybe Facebook comes at a close third. But, um, you know, I think a lot of those people don't even read the comments. Because I've noticed yeah. in the, the few times I've decided to dig in and read what pe- how people respond to a controversial statement on Twitter, for example, I'll notice that the person who made the original statement usually never responds after the original statement, probably because they're not even reading the comments because yeah. how could they get up the next morning if they did? Yeah. And, and I'm only making that point to say, if you want to be on social media and you want to make controversial statements, you want to stand for anything, you, you're not going to get a pass. You're not going to no. be able to do that unless you do it and you have like three followers on Twitter and it's your mom and your grandma and your grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, even then, you might not be safe. Yeah, even then. <laughs> Depending. So make a choice. When you step into this world, get ready. There are going to be critics. Yeah. And and I'm not saying any of this in judgment of people. I give some examples in the book of some horrible things that happened as a result of cyberbullying. Yeah. So I'm not justifying cyberbullying. In fact, most of the time is spent speaking to the bullies saying, what you're doing is wrong. And speaking to bystanders yep. who should stand up for the victims. But then we also need, there are three parties involved. There are the third party bystanders who are watching all this happen, doing nothing. There are the bullies who are making the problem. And then there are the victims who don't have to be victims. And 
all three of them have different roles to play in the solution to the problem. And I think the the reason we don't see a whole lot of progress in this in this part of the discussion is because we concentrate 100% on the bullies. That's funny. And they're a third of the problem. That's exactly what I did in this chapter. I focused on the bullies stop being bullies, bystanders stop being bystanders. And I read, I'm looking right here at it, uh, the How Can I Stop It heading you've got on page 102. And I read it. I just didn't, you're right. Uh, I just was focusing on the bullies and the bystanders and not on what do I do as the victim? How do I, how can I keep myself from being a victim here? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad we've had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go back and read that book again, Andrew. Yeah. I got to go read this chapter again. Yeah. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, Let's talk about let's talk about some other things. Okay. What else you want to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, I I can there's there's bring us to a different subject, but I've got one like I, I guess big category of things that um there's a lot. I'm sure there's so much in this book attached to it, and we've already talked a little bit about it. But uh, the idea of like how the the church like as a community, uh, can help to solve a lot of these problems. Some of this, a lot of this stuff is individual, uh, definitely with the pact at the end. But you know, I think um, having accountability in our communities can help. But the chapter on, let's see, I'm on page eighty. Let me, make, let me figure out what chapter I'm in here. So on profiles, chapter seven. Uh, this is the chapter where we talk a lot about just building a fake persona um, or being genuine. Mm-hmm. And you've got a whole, I mean, this pages here. It starts on page 79 and it goes through to 82 to the end of the chapter with how you should be able to trust people and people should be able to trust you where? In the church. Because, I mean, obviously the family as well, but... I don't think either one of us is ignorant of the fact that a lot of folks can't get this in their families. And the only place they get relationships where they can be genuine and trust other people with the the word you use here is intimacy. Um, I think a lot of people are not blessed with the opportunity to have that with their families. And so I mm-hmm. love that you bring out in this chapter, what are we supposed to do with these problems that everyone's, especially our youth, like our teens and college students are having. And then right out of that, it's not like you just flip a switch and it's like, oh, this stuff doesn't matter anymore. You know, when you turn a certain age, especially for them, what can we do to bring them? So the question of the po- what positives are here, I don't know what more positive thing you could give than this on here's how the church can help. Here's what the church can do. Um God is you on page eighty. God has created a safe place where we can be known and loved among others in the church. In the New Testament, the church was a place where people had all things in common. They suffered together and rejoiced together, confessed their sins to one another, held each other accountable, confronted one another, and encouraged one another. They got into each other's business. They got personal. Um, these days, we don't like for people to learn too much about our lives. Um, but in the ancient world, there's no such thing as a private life. What made it safe was the intimacy. The church wasn't just an organization. 
it was a family, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I just loved, in this next sentence, the church should be the safest place on earth to show your true colors. And I had to say should be because yeah. I know what people are going to say in response to that. Yeah, but it isn't. Well, it should be. You yeah. know, The church is the church, and then uh, perverted versions of it are are not what we're saying should be the case. So, uh, yeah, all of that is about this business of just to back up a little bit and tell people, you know, what that is a response to. It's it's all about this business of getting online to air out your dirty laundry or to chew somebody out. Have you ever, like, I know you have. You've seen those posts where somebody says, you said I could trust you, and you betrayed me. That's the last time I'll ever trust you. And it's like, who are you talking to, and why are you doing this on my wall? Yeah, at least tell me who you're talking to. That way I'm not sitting here like... Do you really want me to read this? Or, you know, maybe a direct message would be more appropriate in this case. But it's because they have no safe community for this. It's a human instinct to want to confide the problems that you're having with others or to share secrets with or share flaws or injustices or whatever. And social media is not the place for that. Church is the place for that. Family is the place for that. Friendship is the place for that. And if you don't have those or you have perverted, distorted versions of those, find the ideal or the closest to the ideal and start working towards making it better. Um, But don't try to make social media that place. Exactly, because you're not going to find a ton of people who have your best interest in mind on social media. Because in the other chapters on the selfies, I mean, you make it pretty clear that most, and obviously we're not accusing everybody of being on social media, of being awful, selfish people, but by and large... Um, they are. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> by and large, it's pretty obvious that we, you know, uh, we're, we're trying to get likes, we're trying to uh, get followers, especially people who are on there trying to make money, getting, you know, trying to get sponsored or verified or this, that, and the other, so... There's a lot of competition on social media, too, for people trying to actually get noticed by whatever company they're trying to get noticed by so they can get paid uh, and they can be, like, professional Instagrammers. That's a big thing for, like, 20-year-olds, 18, 19, 20-year-olds right now. Do you want to – let's say that works out the best possible way and you become a multimillionaire through – being a professional Instagrammer, is that what you said? You can do it. Can So, first of all, that's ne- that's not going to happen to anybody listening to this podcast. Probably not. Um, secondly, let's say you get to the end of your life and you're lying on your deathbed. <laughs> what did you do? Well, I took selfies and for Promoted some reason... products for people because I had from, so many followers is the I, idea. I, I sold my persona, sold my self out to commercialism capitalism and and I just became a mule for capitalism until I got wrinkles yeah. and got ugly which eventually happens yeah. and then for the last 30 years I've just been trust fund baby or whatever yeah. uh, that's a really depressing 
Wait, now some people may be listening to me like, "Hey, fine with me." Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> but but you if you're a deep person, if you have any de- right, if you have any depth to you, you want your life to be more than just taking pictures of yourself. And I this I really believe this to be true. If you're sitting there saying that sounds great to me, you you haven't really ever met a person who has had that success because they are miserable. Yeah. They're not happy people. Well, the money doesn't make them happy. That you quoted, doesn't I think he mentions like several of them. One of them was like a 16, 17-year-old girl who got this happened to her. Um, and she became an Instagram model and she just <laughs> made a ton of money and she was out of it in like I think 7 or 8 years. I can't yeah, remember can't. I read that book a long time ago and she was like it's all a sham. It's so shallow. It's ridiculous. It's she's like I was depressed. I was uh, having a lot of problems, and I had to get out of it. I could, and that's all the stuff you bring up in your book. So, all that's validated by the experience that a lot of these folks have. Things are shallow. Things are hollow. Nothing lasts very long. And I, I think one of the underlying things in the book is there's a much better place for you to go when you're looking for belonging when you're looking for self-worth, when you're looking for real connections to people. And several times with connections, you say it's it's normal for us to seek connection. The problem is how we make those connections. Uh, there's a better way to do yeah. that, and it's all ultimately in Christ, but also in the body of Christ, or it should be, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the only place you're going to find people who genuinely have your best interest at heart, the people most likely, I should say, probably, to have your best interest at heart are the people who are convinced that they should be following. And I know you've got Philippians 2 in the book, Count Others' Needs More Significant Than Your oh, yeah. Own. If, you find yeah. a, if you've got a group of 200 people down the street that all show up together on Wednesdays and Sundays, and they base their whole life on a book that says, hey, uh, you should love God first, you should love other people above yourself, count their needs more significant than your own, look out for their needs before yours, then worry about yourself. If you've got a group of people like that meeting down the street and you're looking for relationships and people to look out for you, why on earth would you not at least go check it out, you know? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. if that's who you're supposed to be, then be that person. Right. That way when the people who are looking for it show up, you can give it to them. Right. Uh, let's, I want to ask you about something else. Okay. I need to find it here. Okay, so I give a list in the chapter on physical health. I talk about several things like uh, sleep deprivation, which is yeah. <laughs> something that social media is has aggravated. Something I'm not familiar with at all. Oh, yeah. Sleep deprivation. Uh, physical fitness addiction sleep. is a huge problem. Uh, and then safety. And I threw out, and I researched this, mind you, I researched it earlier this year, and so the information's probably probably already changing, and I gave a list of apps, and one, I was concerned about listing these because they will obviously change as kids and predators and others have to find new places to lurk and and do nefarious things. Um, 
But I wondered if you had heard of these and if there are any big ones you think I left out. And I mentioned uh, these are dangerous apps, popular hideouts for people who want to hurt young people, basically. I had never heard of Ubo. Had you heard of Yellow? I had never heard of Yellow, and I would never heard of IMVU, which is (laughs) ridiculous. Yeah. I've heard of Kick. I had not, and Snapchat, obviously, but Live.me and Omegle. Yeah. Omegle. Omegle. Sure. Um, I think. I'd never heard of these, but they are, it just makes me think, what? Well, I'm not going to say that because I don't know who's listening that might have a kid on these. <laughs> on these uh, well, if they do, apps, they need to know about it. Who is going to, if, I'm sure if they do, they don't know what's going on with this stuff. Uh-huh. But w- what parent is going to let their kid have an app? Well, you go ahead and describe them. And then well, I'll, I'm not going to describe each individual one. Um, you can get the book if, if you want to see that. Um, but, I look, I think, and this may, may be another one. I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I think Snapchat is a dangerous app. I think it can be used safely, but I don't think it can be trusted in the hands of a 13- or 14-year-old kid. Or fifteen or sixteen. I, I just, I think it's an app that, it's an app with disappearing posts. So why why do you want to have that? And Snapchat is universal. I mean, well, everybody any, uses Snapchat. It's become a tool that a lot of uh, youth ministers and others use because their kids are on it and they're trying to get messages yep. out to them. You know, so. To answer your question is, there is one of the biggest, most popular apps out there on that list. So what parent is going to let their kids use the others? Maybe the same ones that, you know, shrugged Snapchat, at yep. Snapchat, which, I mean, its image is a ghost. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, put it's that. Like, I love its mascot. Where's your quote? I love this. Parents should be wary of allowing their kids to use an app with an agenda of secrecy. And a mascot that is a ghost. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Snapchat. Now I'm with it. I don't. I don't have a Snapchat. Uh, I used to have one. I've got two little cousins um, who at the time were like ten and eleven, and they are they're still on Snapchat. Yeah. And they would just send me goofy pictures, or you know, they'd be yeah, playing. Yeah, I'm not. I need to say this here. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you have Snapchat or any of these others. Yep. I'm just saying these are dangerous. Watch out for them. Well, and if you're a parent, yeah, know that know what the app can do. Where I was know. headed with that was, I wound up getting rid of it for a lot of these concerns that you bring up in the book because I've heard, I think especially for anybody who works with young people, whether you're in ministry or whether you're like in schools, if you're doing anything where you're involved with younger people and you've got them on a Snapchat, it's it it's just to me, how are you gonna defend yourself if some kind of accusation is made? It just takes somebody saying, I was uncomfortable and you don't have to necessarily even do anything wrong, but it just takes one person to say, I was uncomfortable or I took this that way, and they go tell somebody, and you're in jail. And I've mm-hmm. I've heard stories. I know in some cases where the stories were not accidents; they were uh, they were younger male leadership figures for 
teenagers. And I think, uh, you know, I'm talking about right around age 30. And it winds up like what you think that kind of leader was a, it was a youth minister. Uh, what you think that guy would never do, mm-hmm. he does. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I, but I know of other guys who, um, they've heard stories or for them in particular, people have taken things the wrong way. And so they wind up losing jobs, wrecking a career. They never can get back in, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not going to be able to work back in a school system with kids or in a church with kids. If when they call you references, they say, yeah, we had this problem with, you know, weird, shady stuff on Snapchat. We never mm-hmm. really got to the bottom of it, but we figured it'd be yeah, just there's cool. no evidence. You know, that's another thing that I haven't thought about is if you're going to use this stuff with messages and all that, use something where there is a trail to protect yourself. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't you want that? Exactly. Unless you're guilty. Yeah, that's what um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Again, I, I'm not saying if you have it, you are guilty. I'm just saying. Well, I'll sit right here on the, uh, if we're just going to poke fun at ourselves here. I'm firmly on the, like, uh, grumpy side of Snapchat. <laughs> like, I don't want, I've got a two-year-old right now. She's about to be three. And I can guarantee you if mm-hmm. that thing's still around when she's 15 or 16, i That will be my same rationale with her. Why would you want to hide it? And you do bring up in the book, it's got, it's a lot of fun stuff on there. There is. If she wants to have one to talk to her mom on it, that's fine. But I know how 14 and 15, 16-year-old boys are. And if they're following her, even if they're the good kids at church. I mean, can you imagine, like, as a 15-year-old boy with all your hormones raging and you've got a secret picture and video app with the girls you think are cute i mean it's just like it's it's not fair well no the, we, the, our young the men people should who be created it enough, created but. it for uh I, I put it in the book how do they put it this is in their own documentation they created it uh to make sexting safe and this isn't a podcast about snapchat but I mean, it is now. <laughs> uh, so the others, you said you hadn't heard of a bunch of them. This because you're getting a little long in the tooth, Andrew. You're yeah, I guess. So. Uh, I a friend of mine who's in law enforcement suggested that I go to the app store and do a search on the top ten social networking apps and see what's in there. And and I did that. And, of course, the obvious ones were in there. And then a lot of these others were in there. And then I just, you know, found out a lot of them I didn't recognize. And so I looked to see which one of those had some red flags, and I included those in that list. So those were in top 25 or something like that. And that's a good enough reason to buy the book. Is just to know well, what those things are. And, and to look, how next year it'll be a different list. I realize yeah. that. But the idea is know, know the current list if you're a parent. Yeah. And if you're a kid, don't sneak around. You could get hurt. It was hard to – one of the things I didn't – I had a hard time choosing my audience because sometimes I felt like I was writing to church leaders and other times I felt like I was writing to parents other times it felt like I was writing to adult users, and then about half the time I was thinking of young people when I was writing it. But mm-hmm. there's there are different messages that need to go out to the parents. It's like don't don't be naive. You're 
child is not a little angel. Uh, your child is a lot like you were when you were her age. <laughs> yeah. And to the kids, it's like, don't be naive. You can get hurt. You can get yeah. hurt really bad. There's some dangerous, creepy people, and they are looking like kids your age that are attractive and popular, and they're actually old men who do really bad things. things yeah. And... Uh, you know, just not going to buy my kid a phone now. I know that's not yeah, the point well, of your good book, luck with that. <laughs> I got a 14-year-old daughter, and she doesn't have her own phone. But her birthday's yeah. – she's not 14 yet. Her 14th birthday's coming up. And yeah. the same item is at the top of this year's birthday <laughs> wish list as last year's birthday wish list. It's a phone. A phone, and it's the same item she is not going to get again this year. And she's the only kid in yeah. her class. The only kid in her class that doesn't have Are you her serious? own smartphone. I'm serious. Age, well, you've got in the book. Was it the average? Well, I think you said and that's the what makes it like so hard. Ten when they get 10, a phone. Ten years old, yeah. and a lot of times as parents, you know, they want a new phone, and they're like, "Well, we got this phone; it still works. Let's give it to my ten-year-old." And uh, then one thing leads to another. The first idea is they can play games on it, everything. So you take it to the store. And they're like, well, you can't keep it activated unless it has a data plan. You're like, well, put it on the smallest data plan possible. Yeah. But they're still out there. They're still, they can reach everything at that and point. And when you get Wi-Fi, it doesn't matter. That's a data plan. Yeah, and they get the Wi-Fi, and yeah. they're downloading apps that you don't know about. And it's just, I don't know. Eventually, though, you so have to teach them how to two right now. use <laughs> this technology responsibly. So at some stage, and the line is different for different parents, but at some point, you know, before they leave home, they need to have their own device yeah. so you can monitor their usage and teach them how to use it. Is for us, fourteen is not that age. You know, and I think that just is another reason why this book. And you know, I'm not just trying to butter you up here, uh, but that's okay if you want to do. That. I think that's another reason this book is so relevant right now because parents have got to be aware of. A lot of, of of being thoughtful about a lot of these things, and I know most of the time the thoughtful parents is there. Are several parents that I know that won't let their kids have Snapchat, and the kids that don't have it, you know, they're coming comes. Everybody else at church has it. Why can't I have it? Everybody else, yeah. school has it. And you know, I I think if all parents, and I I don't necessarily think that parents letting have their kid a Snapchat is a says that they're you know they have bad opinions about things. A lot of times it might just be because they haven't necessarily, it's like, oh, it's Snapchat. Oh, yeah, everybody's got that. That's probably fine. If so-and-so's got it, I'm sure it's fine. And they just don't You know what I say when they the use research. that argument? Yeah. I say, no, they don't, Elijah. Yeah. Being an Elijah. Yeah. You know, oh, I, only I am left. No, you're not. No, yeah. you're not. There's a lot of great kids out there that don't have a smartphone. <laughs> That's good. You know, yeah, I'm like the only that. one that doesn't have Snapchat. No, you're not. Yeah, there's several I know, and I mean, I don't have one. Uh, now, we thought about using one for our college ministry here because all these college students are on the Snapchat. Yeah. They all are. But they're also all yeah. on the Instagram. So Right. The gram. Yeah, the gram. That's what, Hashtag uh, Insta. My daughter tells me, one thing that I, if I, and I'm not going to rewrite the book. Um, Good. But if you do, but I'd be if happy I to were read it. To, Maybe one day I'll find the energy to update it. And one update that I would make is to take a lot of Facebook stuff out 
and try to include more Instagram yep. stuff. I uh, think it's, your selfie uh, you chapter know, is nails. You don't mention Instagram, Instagram much by name, but that is that right. is the Instagram chapter as well, far as I'm And concerned. I tried not to mention any one social networking app when I didn't have to. Yeah. But in a lot of the examples, I do use Facebook because for the last however long it's been out, uh, Facebook has been the most popular one. It still is right now, it's although its popularity is waning a little bit. And I, I heard somebody predict that in 10 years, nobody will have Facebook. I, I can't imagine a world like that. But yeah. they said, you know, what happened to MySpace? Well, MySpace never got yeah. to where Facebook is now. Yeah. Um, but who knows what's in the future? If something will take its place, and more material needs to be developed at that point. But for right now, this is this is uh, what what we're looking at. And and I tried to use recent sources. Um, I got sources from 2019 in the book. Uh, I read a lot of science fiction novels. I thought that was. Fun. I really appreciated those. And you had a lot of. Uh like uh, I think you had Marcus Aurelius in there, Seneca yeah. was in there. You had uh, oh, who did you have with the poem on envy? Uh, oh, that's uh, Ovid. 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 Yeah. The yeah. Latin writer. I liked all yeah. your references. The the uh, the feed book. I want to yeah. read that one. That feed, one seems pretty interesting. Feed it's is interesting. feed has some uh, some salty language in it. Yeah, <laughs> but it is a more recent novel that looks at uh, a future in which we don't even use devices. There's no mediation from us to the feed. In other words, yeah. the, the social networking, it's implanted in our heads. What would a world be like like that? And yeah. I think it is a real important warning to everybody about that kind of world. Um, another really interesting novel I read was, it's a short one. I, I think you may have read this one. I'm not sure. It's it's a quick read. E.M. E. Forster's The Machine Stops. It's where I got that I line know. that I I used for the title of one of the parts, I Want to See You yeah. Not Through the Machine. Um, he yeah, wrote that, that in 1908, really and he pretty much Whoa. predicted social media in 1908. It's yeah. really eerie how close to the world we live in he he imagined i just think these these uh, writers uh isaac asimov is another one that i read that had a lot of prescient ideas you know he could it's like he could see the future but you know these these guys are smart they know human nature and they see the direction technologies can go in and they know that human beings if they can go there they will go there yeah and um so I tried to read, I made a list of novels, stories, literature that saw social media before it came or is talking about where it will go. And I tried to read as much as that as I could uh, because I like to include that kind of stuff in my books. I like to yeah. read the Bible for God's point of view, and I, I think literature really expresses human nature well. And you join those two things together, and it gives you some things to say. And so I yeah. try to do that a lot in my preaching and in my writing. Um, so anyway, yeah. uh, that's about an hour here. We probably need to. It's already been an hour. Our, it's been an hour. So. Man. So what's the next do, episode we're gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> I, we got to get some ideas. We need to do some more of this. 
But I wanted to tell everybody how they could get the book. And um, the best way to get the book is to send an email to Riddle Creek Publishing. That's And that email address is mj5riddlecreek at gmail.com. And I'll put that... Excuse me. I almost choked on it. But I will put that in the show notes in the episode page and on Facebook, Twitter, wherever I post the episode so you can have that information. Or you can just direct message me your address and I'll get whatever you want sent out to you and uh, with an invoice. We can handle it that way. Can they get it from your Snapchat account? I do not have a Snapchat account. <laughs> There is an ebook version too. I I need to say oh, that yeah. the, the ebook version is up on Amazon, so you can find that as well if you're interested in the ebook. Uh, so that's how you can get a hold of it. I really appreciate you letting us get together and talk about the book. And yeah, I thank it, you man. especially for reading the book. Well, I'm sad it's already been an hour. Like I can't believe it went that fast. Yeah, I mean I could I could definitely talk about this stuff a lot more, and other stuff. So. This brings back memories of the 66 podcast. If you don't know yeah. what that is, you can still good. find it on iTunes, right? Andrew and I did 100 yeah. episodes. Uh, we In those episodes, we were just getting warmed up at an hour. Yeah, seriously. All of them were, wide margins is usually about 30 minutes, but uh, yeah. those were. But we had a problem uploading a file that was longer than an hour, so we always stopped that because sometimes yeah. we'd have to cut some stuff up out just to upload it. Yep. Because we had that yeah, 100 megabyte that limit. This one, so sorry about that. No, I, I don't have that on. I probably rambled too long. You can cut out some of my stuff. It's fine. I can, no, I can go with my wide margins. I can go as long as I want. Right. I don't know. Uh, That's what I'm talking so. about. That's good. Too bad we didn't have that for the 66. But I'll give you a, a final word here. Okay. Uh, like I said, I think probably the the two biggest takeaways I had were one. It's not a call to get rid of social media and phones. It's a call to use them properly. And it's a call to be careful with how has humanity interacted. Uh, sounds big picture, but how has human, uh, I guess, nature been, what things about human nature have been amplified by social media? You mm-hmm. know, what, what have people done when introduced with this? Because this is a very new thing. You said, didn't you say YouTube started in 2004? Yeah, I think when I started looking back at the history, I I was amazed at how recent yeah, yeah these developments are. So it's like I mean, kids are going to be reading about this stuff in history books in another hundred years if the world's still here. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody said this was the time when the world changed from like before you know, there's before internet and after the internet, mm-hmm. and this is one of the major. Yeah, the shift is we saw the maybe the death or the irrelevance of mass media. Yeah, mass media where uh, the media came from a centralized point. Now it's it's decentralized, and media is from bottom up instead of top to bottom. And we in our lifetimes witnessed that. That's a huge shift. Yeah. So we're living in. Some interesting times, as yeah. all people at all times have yeah. lived in. These are just the interesting things that have happened in, in our times. Hopefully yeah. we'll get some other interesting things besides this um, that happen yeah. in the future. No yeah. telling what will come next. Um, 
So thanks again, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, we'll have something else to talk about next time we get together.